All right, Hokie Nation, week one of the college basketball season is officially over. We are recording this on Monday, so exactly one week following the Hokie season opener against Delaware State. Uh, it was an awesome week for both men and women programs at Virginia Tech. Uh, both teams have been off to an all- a fantastic offensive start, uh, and I look forward to watching the women play again tonight. But, Mike, how are we doing after week one of college basketball? The Hokies are dirty. They are. Uh, both both programs are pretty nasty, and both programs can score from a variety of different people, and we'll get into that as we go through. But we figured we would kick this off by kind of hitting all three games at a high level. Um, the Hokies, I believe, are 2-1 and one against the spread, and all three spreads have been like 20-plus points. So these yeah. games haven't exactly been uh, you know, ACC tournament games, but I think we've learned a little bit, and we will continue to learn more this week. But let's start with Delaware State. A 95 to 57 win over Delaware State, a team that I believe had won two games the season prior. Weren't really expecting much going into that game. Um, but I thought Delaware State was actually much better than advertised. Uh, they had a complete roster turnover, as most schools are doing these days via the portal. I think they yep. brought in something like seven guys. So it's a completely new team for them in their first game. But Virginia Tech came out and handled business largely in part due to uh, Grant Basile with 30 points on six threes. So Grant was as advertised on the offensive end against Delaware State, and yeah, it was it was really really fun to watch him shoot it on um, uh, last Monday night. Yeah, how's that for a debut? Huh? Is my camera doing weird stuff? Am I good? Am I good? Uh, it was anyway. it was flaky for a second, but it's fine. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Cool. Just talk about Basile anyway, again. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no. I mean, Grant Basile was nasty uh, as advertised, like you mentioned. And how about that for a debut? Huh? I mean, 12, 16 from the field, he had 30 points. He had 10 rebounds. I mean, that's without Justin Mutz, like you need that offensive and, and defensive firepower in there. Now, the thing about the defensive firepower is that Basile didn't really provide it on that end of the floor. And Mike Young addressed that in the post game. He said, look, I don't want to take anything away from Basile, but he's got to guard better. Right. And, I thought that's where Lynn Kidd stepped up and I thought played a pretty good defensive game um, in Justin Mutz's absence. The thing about Virginia Tech in this game was Basili couldn't miss. Padula couldn't really miss. Maddox couldn't really miss. And, and you know, that's a good recipe for the Hokies, right? When you have three or four offensive players on a given night who are going to make 60 plus percent of their shots, this is going to be a really, really tough team to beat even on an off night defensively. So that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the first three games, but especially in this game in particular against Delaware State and then the third game, which we'll get into in a few minutes against William & Mary. When the Hokies shoot a certain way, there aren't many teams in the ACC that will be able to keep up with them. And I get the defensive issues. There were, there were some defensive issues in the first half of this game. I thought they guarded a bit better in the second half, um, you know, with the way they, they were able to pull away. But like you mentioned, like Delaware State also, I don't think was quite as bad as we thought they were, you know, going yeah. into this game. So I think that had a little bit to do with it, too. Yeah, it's it's easy to say that when you win by, what, 38 or whatever it was. Right. But they were much right. better than I thought they were going to be heading into the game. They were one of the worst teams in all of college basketball the year before. So, yeah, Basili and Padula with the you know pick and pop and Basili just in the offensive rotations in general adds a bit of a different element that I think. Kevin Aluma could have added at times in his Virginia Tech career the ability to knock down a shot from deep. But uh, I think we've seen, you know, through all three games at this point, that Basile's 
just a touch better from beyond the arc than Aluma yes. was. He doesn't provide anywhere near as much, maybe defensively or with his back to the basket, but his ability to stretch the floor is significant, and we'll see that all year long. Basili's uh, a, a better fit for this for this offense. I don't want to. I don't want to take anything so, away from Aluma, but like he's a better fit. Yeah. So I talked about this in the Twitter space after the Delaware State game, um, where I think. You know, now that we've seen three games, maybe I'll walk it back a little bit. But at the very least, it's worth mentioning that um, while Keve Aluma is probably a better all-around player than Grant Basile, Grant Basile might be a better fit for this Virginia Tech team because we don't need a back-to-the-basket score as much as we did last year with some offensive issues because there are no offensive issues this year. Uh, His ability to spread the floor has been significant for guys like Sean Padula and his ability to get to the rack. Hunter Couture, we've seen a little bit more of that this year. Uh, Darius Maddox, it just opens things up in a way that uh, having a back-to-the-basket traditional center didn't really allow for. Um, But we need to – I mean, Mike Young talked about it, and it continues to be talked about through all three games. Basile's got to play better defense because we haven't played any – he hasn't played any ACC centers yet, and that's coming here shortly. But um, so far through three games, the offensive ability and what he brings on that end really opens the floor up for the rest of the guys. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to get into a thought about Sean Padula there. Uh, just we're, it's going to be a common theme through all three of these games. Sean Padula yeah. is the real deal. I mean, he has grown physically and in basketball sense with his basketball IQ tremendously over the offseason. You can tell he's put on a bunch of muscle. Uh, he was already a really good shooter, but his ability to control the game has been something that I didn't anticipate him taking that big of a jump that quickly. He had 18 and 8 against Delaware State. A lot of those were just kickbacks to Grand Basile, but. He's been playing really, really good offensive basketball and held his own in the defensive end as well. So uh, through ga- three games, I think everybody would say Sean Padula's team MVP so far. But I think he's poised for a really, really good year um, all year long as the primary ball handler in this offense. And you know, the team shot 14 or made 14 threes on 50 percent shooting. That's going to get it done every single time. Yeah, um, they're not so losing not, many games shooting that way. No, you won't. And, you know, there's not much else to get from a Delaware State game, but. Grant Basile looked awesome in the offense. Sean Padula looked really good running the offense. And as a result, the Hokies were able to make 14 threes. So then we get to Lehigh, where we get Justin Mutz back, which is awesome. And Mike Young was very fired up. I know he said after Delaware State, he never wants to coach a game without Justin Mutz again because of all the things that Mutz just cleans up for everybody else, especially on the defensive end. Uh, So what does Justin Mutz do in his first game of the season? 16-11-5. Plays a fantastic Justin Mutz-esque game, uh, and the Hokies are able to win that one relatively easily. Lehigh was a, probably a step up athletically from where Delaware State was. Yes. Um, but overall, a solid game for Virginia Tech. Didn't shoot it anywhere near as well as they did in the first game or the third game, but we're still able to win handily with a 15-5 to assist-to-turnover ratio. You'll take that every single time. This game was important for me to see in the early part of the year because it showed that Tech's got an ability, again, against a, a quality of opponent, Lehigh, that's a step up from Delaware State, like you mentioned, athletically, but yeah. nowhere near what they're going to see in ACC play. Tech showed a different ability to win the game, right? Like, they won in a different way than they did in the opener against Delaware State or even against William & Mary, right, where they have an off-night shooting at three. They shoot less than 30% from deep but they still shoot almost 53% from the floor. Like you mentioned, 15 to five assist to turnover ratio. They played their best defensive game of the year, I thought, against Lehigh so far through three games. It's early, of course, but that was their best defensive game so far. I thought they really locked it down, gave us some hope going into the William & Mary game that maybe 
all that Tech needed to kind of get right defensively was to get Justin Mutz back in the lineup. Of course, we'll talk about the William & Mary game here in a second. But, you know, you see, I, I think what you can take away from this Lehigh game is that Tech has an ability, at least against an opponent that's lesser, right? They're not going to play down to an opponent just because they're not shooting well from three, right? And I think the biggest gripe if you were to have one with the Mike Young offense is that if you know the shooters go cold from deep Mike Young coach teams have a tendency to be had on a given night right Tech didn't shoot the ball well from three at all in this game and they won by almost 30 that's a really good sign a really really good sign I get the quality of opponent but if Tech keeps that up in conference play where they have an off night shooting but they find other ways to score I think it's going to be a really positive sign moving forward. And it just shows that this year, I think the Hokies have a different level of offensive versatility than they've had in the first, you know, in, in the first three years of the Mike Young era. It's it's just a different level of offensive versatility, the depth, everything else. So I think that's really important to know coming out of this game. Yeah. Guys like Padula and Maddox um, have the ability to get into the paint and score. Justin or uh, Maddox, excuse me, more from a you know mid-range game, but Padula has right. been going to the basket with great success. So it, it's a much more, um, versatile offensive attack than we've seen before from Mike Young coach team. So they're able to take care of William and Mary or um, Lehigh relatively easily. And then they played William and Mary where, you know, Hokies win 94, 77, you put up a ton of points. Uh, everybody's scoring. It was one yep. of those nights. Uh, I was actually surprised listening to the post-game press conference that Mike Young was okay with a defensive performance. I figured he'd be upset with giving up 77 yeah. to a William and Mary team that, you know, is an inferior opponent, but right. I guess he looked at it from a, you know, pace of play style of play game. It was going to be a high scoring one. Um, I was surprised he was okay with the, with the, uh, the defensive performance. However, I mean, Anders Nelson was really, really good for William and Mary uh, 32 minutes. He had 25 points, six assists, um, shot the lights out. He was 10 of 15 from the floor, four or seven from three. He was really, really good. I mean, tech didn't have an answer for him. Um, with all that said, William & Mary was never in this game because Tech started this game on a 14 nothing run. And Tech wins this game by 17. If the Hokies didn't have that 14 nothing run at the beginning, we're talking about this being a much tighter game than I think we would have liked. But this game was never really competitive. Like Tech kept William & Mary at arm's length because of how they started this game, um, which is good. I mean, this is a William & Mary team that shot really well in this basketball game. And Mike Young might not have been disappointed with the defensive effort. I kind of was watching it. Now, Mike Young's the coach. He knows a lot more about basketball than than we do sitting here, a lot more about his team, right? But I was surprised, too, that his takeaway wasn't more of like, we got to guard better, like it was in the first two games of the year, or at least in the first game of the year. Second game of the year against Lehigh, he was like, we definitely guarded better than we did against Delaware State. Yeah, This game, I was expecting him to say, well, you know, back to the Delaware State issues. And that wasn't really his approach at all in the postgame. So I had the same reaction you did, Ed, because I thought he would be really livid at the fact that William & Mary hit 11 threes. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they hit shot, William & Mary shot 50% from the floor and from three. Virginia Tech shot 50% from three and 55% for the game. 16 of them. Uh, Hokies made. Yeah, made 16 threes on a 19 to seven assist to turnover. So again, with a really good assist to turnover ratio. And, you know, I'm looking at the, stat sheet we had one two three four guys in double figures uh and it looks like maybe 10 total people score yeah. um so you know it was coming from a lot of different places mike young was able to play a lot of people uh john camden played nine minutes poteet and kid played 13 and 17 mj collins played 16 so he was able to get a lot of guys in and it was nice to see hunter couture find his stride 
Uh, he had been relatively quiet through the first two games and then poured in 22 against William and Mary. So yeah, huge game. Padula and Cadol- and Couture with 22 each. Vasily with 13, Maddox with 14, Justin Mutz with two, but doing everything else. Uh, yep. Overall, it was kind of, yeah, like you said, it was never really close. So it's hard to take away much from a game that was kind of over from the jump. Um, right. but, uh, the offensive performance was phenomenal. And, you know, him, Mike Young being able to play some of these guys early and often, uh, especially in these first three games before they head to Charleston, I think was something that would be beneficial in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, so that's kind of it, you know, three kind of snoozers where we didn't really get to learn much. Um, but we will do a segment now called what we think we know. So there's a few things that I think I learned this week and I'm looking forward to the Charleston classic to kind of confirm some of those, some of these suspicions, but I'm going to start out with my first one. Sean Padula is going to lead the way all year. Um, I think he's the primary ball handler. Uh, That's clear, but I think he's the primary, um, initiator on offense. I think he will maybe finish the year as the leading scorer on this team. Uh, he's, he's playing a lot of minutes, which is concerning. But overall, I think Sean Padula is poised for a breakout campaign on a national scale and, you know, could find himself in the all ACC teams when it's all said and done. I think he's going to have a really good year. I'm super pleased with what I've seen from him through week one. Offensively, he's been better than I think we could have hoped. We all knew his game was there offensively. Like there were certainly games last year where he played more minutes and we were like, all right, this kid is if he gets it going he's going to be hard to guard yeah. where I've been more impressed with Padula is what he's been able to do defensively because last year, a lot of times the Hokies backcourt as a whole tended to be more of a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I, Maddox guarded okay last year, but Padula, when he came off the bench did not guard very well at all. Right. One of our gripes going into the year last year with Maddox as he was like starting to get a little bit more playing time is like, Mike Young's only going to play him if he starts guarding. Then yeah. he started guarding, right? Padula almost had to play because Tech had no other guy to bring the ball up the court other than Storm Murphy. So yep. Padula had to play almost out of necessity. For Maddox, it was like we knew why he wasn't getting as much run as he wanted. Then he started to guard, and we were like, okay, we could see that. With Padula, it was still a problem, right? So coming into this year, the one thing I was hoping for is that Padula would take a step up defensively. It's pretty clear he's done that. Like, he's no longer getting bullied on the butt. We'll see... ACC play bigger guards, more athletic guys, all that stuff. But like Padula's put on some muscle for sure. He's a bigger player than he, than he was last year, but he's, he's looking the part defensively now too, where like, there's still some sore spots here and there. We're like, oh man, he's got to not go under that screen, that sort of thing. But like he's defending at a much, much higher level than through three games anyway, than he was a year ago. Yeah. He's, he's, getting near the uh, Justin Mutz, you can't take him off the floor category. He's he's yes. playing phenomenal ball on yes. both ends. And I thought he did a good job leading in the Delaware State game when Mutz was out. I just, across the board, he's playing really good basketball. There was a sequence yeah. in the Delaware State game. I remember he fronted the postman, stole the ball in the entry pass, kicked it up ahead, went down to the other end and hit a three. And I was like, okay, this this dude's arrived. Like, he's, he's that guy now. Um, and I look forward to him the rest of the season. He, he, I just think he's poised for a breakout campaign. I know John Rothstein's a huge fan. I've seen him tweeting about Padula yeah. on Twitter. Love but through it. three games, he's averaging 20 and five on 52% from the floor. So, uh, awesome week for Sean Padula. Stock is rising for him for sure. Definitely. The next thing that I think I learned this week was that this offense is insane. Um, this offense has the ability for any of the five starters and even some guys off the bench to beat you on any given night. Couture yep. can get you for 20. 
Mutz could put up a triple double. We saw what Basile could do against Delaware State, and then we've talked about Padula at length. Oh, and we haven't even talked about Darius Maddox, who's quietly averaging uh, double figures as well. Yeah, he's his good. game's just so freaking smooth, man. Darius Maddox is just smooth. So this offense is really good. Now I'll caveat that with the defensive concerns, but I think this offense is phenomenal and uh, deserves a lot of national attention that I think it will get here shortly. With the offense as good as it's been, if Tech can continue shooting this way, I know it's hard to ask for a team to shoot 50 and 60% from three all year, but if this team continues to shoot the way that it is and continues to be as good of an offensive team as we think it is, the defense can kind of take its lumps and just come along as the season goes along. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like have the defense take its lumps early in non-conference play and just outscore people and then start to tighten things up as you get into January and February. That's all that we can ask for. And I don't think they're as far off defensively, Ed, as maybe the naked eye would tell you. Like, yeah. I think, I think number one, getting the core rotation down is really important. So like getting Justin Mutz back into the lineup against Lehigh was huge and having him get get minutes under his belt and play more is huge. I think getting Rodney Rice back after the Charleston Classic, it sounds like getting him back on the floor will be helpful because number one, we'll get to see what he's got. And number two, take a little bit of pressure off Padula because you mentioned the minutes thing a couple minutes ago. I think that's really, really important, Ed. Like right now, Tech's got nobody to really take the pressure off of Padula from a bring the ball up the court standpoint. I mean, Hunter Couture is playing that role a little bit right now out of necessity, but he did that a few years ago, like when Beattie was out of the lineup and we were like, do we really want, and Couture is a much better player now, but like, do we really want that to be the case hundred percent of the time? He's much better off the ball. So I think the defensive concerns are there, but I think if the offense continues playing the way that it is, I think Tech's going to be in a really, really good spot. Yeah, Mike Young talked about the the you know someone asked him a question you know Sean Padula played 36 minutes against William and Mary that's not something you're going to want to see throughout the rest of the year as your you know sophomore point guard playing 36 minutes and right. he mentioned specifically what you just talked about how you know Hunter can do it but he's so dangerous off the ball and right. demands so much attention off the ball you don't want him to have to bring the ball to the floor uh, it's not really Darius Maddox's game and all of a sudden you're out of guards so. Right. Uh, yeah, Rodney Rice coming back is going to be huge to help alleviate some of that pressure on Padula. Um, but yeah, this offense is super special, and I look forward to watching it develop the rest of the year. But I think what we've kind of seen through all of Mike Young's teams so far at Virginia Tech is that the offense will come out of the gate in November firing, and the defense will come along. I think that's just going to be the case with these teams. Um, why that is, I'm not really sure, you know college basketball defense is much different than high school basketball. So last year it was tough for, you know, Padula and Maddox to come along and we've seen MJ Collins jump right into the fire and be able to handle it well as a freshman. But I just think in general, these Mike Young coach teams are going to, the defense is going to be a work in progress. Um, we saw it last year with a veteran laden team and this year there's a lot of inexperienced guys. So it's kind of to be expected and it hasn't, hasn't been a huge problem so far, but who knows once the competition level ticks up a little bit, but the offense, you're right, is so good that I think you know, there's a little bit of a buffer there. Yeah. Um, with, you know, especially Basili, right? Basili defensively is a concern, but then you have Lynn Kidd right behind him who kind of brings that physical presence and allows you to do some more things defensively. So his development through the first week is something I think we should talk about a little bit because he's played some really good ball and Mike Young has bragged on him 
in the post-game press conferences where he's not sure he's ever seen anybody work this hard in an offseason. He said Lynn Kidd's been getting after it and had a conversation with himself um, in the offseason and really decided, you know, I'm going to become a good basketball player because he's got all the physical tools. We all knew that coming out of high school. But now he's put on weight. You can see he's really, really strong and has found a way to be impactful on both ends of the floor through three games. Yeah, I, I was going to add, like, you had those two pieces on on the offense and Padula for the what we think we know. I just want to add, like, one thing to that, and that's I think Lynn Kidd has the opportunity to be the most impactful player off the bench for Virginia Tech, which is saying something. Mm-hmm. And, and Rodney Rice is going to come back, and he's going to have his say, right? <laughs> and I think he's going to be really good. But I think the importance of Lynn Kidd on the defensive end of the floor as the year goes on is just going to become more and more important. Um, especially with the way we've seen Basili struggle on that end of the floor. And I don't want to kill Basili because he's been so good on offense through three games. I don't want to kill him there. And he's going to be a really important player. But like Kid is a defensive specialist, right? Like he's going to come in and be really, really impactful on that end of the floor all year. He's already shown that, right? In in the playing time he's gotten. And it's clear that he's going to be a really important piece of the rotation. Coming into the year, I thought you were really, I know you were really high on Kid, Ed. So I want to give you your credit there. But I personally thought that Camden might be getting more minutes as like that guy slotted in as like the four. You know what I mean? He became more minutes off the bench. I think it's pretty clear through the first three games that Mike Young wants to give Lynn Kidd the opportunity to really be that guy to step in and be that that bench four or five player. Right. And I know that that him and Camden are a little bit different. Right. I know Melijah Petit is maybe more in the mold of Lynn Kidd where he's going to come off the bench and kind of be that be that kind of similar lanky guy. But it's pretty clear that Kid's going to have a really, really important role on this team. And I think he has the opportunity to be Tech's most impactful bench player and most important bench player as the year goes on. Yeah, I agree. He's And he's been really good through three games. He's averaging close to seven points and five rebounds a game on 17 yeah. minutes a night. I think yep. 17 minutes a night is probably what you're going to see from Lynn Kidd throughout most of the year. I am surprised he has zero blocks through three games. But that being said, I think those will come with time. Uh, he's been really good, and Mike Young talked about, you know, Lynn Kidd's earned everything he's getting right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue to watch him develop, not only this year but down the line because, uh, you know, you love hearing coaches talk about guys like that when they're just grinding both in the gym and in yeah. the weight room. And, it, and yep. it's paid off for him in a big way through the first three games. I'm excited to continue to watch his role develop. Uh, but sure. I'm going to counter your Lynn Kidd take with my last what I think I know and that MJ Collins is that dude. MJ Collins fits in perfectly. Uh, He's kind of just been a 3 and D guy, but he's shown a really good ability to get into the paint and knock down floaters or mid-range shots. Uh, MJ Collins will far outperform his, uh, what did Mike Young call it? Like 247 ranking or whatever it is. Uh, Mike Young's not a fan of recruiting rankings, but MJ Collins will far outperform his. So hats off to the staff for an awesome scout there. Uh, He's been awesome through a week i've i've been really really excited about that you know freshman guard presence off the bench who you know before the injury we thought it'd be rodney rice and it will be you know rodney rice is going to play significant minutes when he gets back but i'm really pleased with what i've seen through from mj collins through a week i have a hard time arguing that point so agree and he he fits in man He, he doesn't look like he's sped up he's in control he's playing good defense he's very athletic um, which I'm sure helped with the transition, obviously. But that's all. We can we can analyze MJ Collins more in future weeks. But I'm really excited about him, and I think he's he's done a very good job. He's just week. 
he's another really good system fit is what yeah. it boils down to. He's just another really good Mike Young system player. So Yeah, right now he reminds me kind of of a freshman Naheem Aline, but way more athletic. Yeah. I Yeah, 3, three I, and I'm D guy, you. can do a little bit in the mid-range, but is a very good athletic player and can guard. So yep. I think he's going to have a significant role as the year progresses because as of right now, it's Maddox, Padula, Couture, nobody off the bench guard-wise. So it's a really yep. big deal that – uh that we have MJ Collins was able to come into college basketball and get acclimated as quickly as he can. So with that, we're going to move on to what we need to see. And one of those first things for me is a secondary ball handler. And we've talked about Rodney Rice, but yeah. the concerns of a guy like Sean Padula playing 36 minutes a night against William and Mary in November, um, that stuff takes a toll mm-hmm. and he's des- desperately going to need to be spelled by somebody as a secondary ball handler. And we know we don't want it to be Hunter Couture, even though he's more than capable. It just takes away a huge element of Couture's game. So getting Rodney Rice back is going to be super important for this team. Now, going into a tournament weekend with the Charleston Classic this week with no Rodney Rice, Sean Padula's legs are probably going to be pretty tired at the end of this weekend. But I would love to find a way to alleviate some of that pressure on him, uh, whether it be Couture or Maddox or even MJ Collins, somebody else bringing the ball to the floor to give Sean Padula more than four minutes rest, but we desperately need a secondary ball handler, which ironically enough, you know, these Mike Young teams have all been, you know, extremely, they've all had good guards, but it always yeah. seems to be that we only have one point guard, whether it was Beatty or Murphy or now Padula, we never really have a true secondary backup point guard. Um, so I'm really excited for Rodney Rice to get back, not only for his talent, but also just to save Sean Padula's legs a little bit. First of all, I agree with that entire point. I was just thinking, though, as you were talking, maybe maybe we can think about this a different way, too. Like, Hunter Couture bringing the ball up takes an element away from the offense. Like, we've established that. We agree. I also think Tech is in a better spot offensively with their versatility and their depth this year to withstand something like that, right? Oh, where yeah, if, definitely. Where if Couture had to, bring, like, had to bring the ball up, say, like, I mean, say Padula gets hurt or something. We, we don't want him to, obviously. But say, like, he's out for... A period of time and Couture needs to bring the ball up. He's in foul trouble. Better example. He's in foul trouble, right? And <laughs> I, don't, I don't need anybody injured. Say he's in foul trouble, right? And we need, and Rice is in foul trouble or Rice has been playing a bunch and we need Couture to bring the ball up a bit. I think Tech is in a better spot to withstand that this year from the, in terms of who they can bring off mm-hmm. the bench, the guys who have, you know, they're kind of position agnostic where they can play like multiple positions. They can slide to a two, slide to a three, slide to a four. This is the, best Mike Young roster in terms of versatility they've had at Tech. So I think if Couture had to bring the ball up, I think he could. But it is a concern for me, though. And I think it's valid. I think it's something that obviously we have to bring up. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that the game that Padula played the most therefore allowed Couture to play his natural position the most was the best game Couture's had. Um, right. Playing off the ball with Padula right. in the backcourt. The women Mary game was by far Couture's most impactful game on the offensive end. Yeah, but I do agree with you. You know, Darius Maddox's ability to score, Basili, Mutz, um, MJ Collins, you know, all these other guys that Mike Young has at his disposal right now definitely allows for you know some less than ideal situations in terms of the backup point guard, if you will. Right. Uh, but, but let's just get Rodney Rice back. How about that? So we don't have to yeah, deal let's with do that. that. Let's do that. No injuries. This, either. We're done with those. The, yeah. The no more foot injuries. The second yeah. thing I'm concerned with so far is the defense, and it's coming waves. Um, I I think, you know, I've heard Mike Young talk about how, excuse me, Basili is capable and wants to, 
learn how to play defense mm-hmm. at this level. And he and Mike Young has said, you know, we'll get him there, um, but we need to get him there quick because you know there's some bigger games looming here, yep. and we need more of a presence coming from that five spot at, on the defensive end of the floor. And the silly and kid, the combination of the two of them, um, I think, is more than serviceable on the defensive end. But we need to get there sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, the, tech tech's in a spot right now where they have like two and a half defenders in the front court, like on a consistent mm-hmm. basis in kid mutts and then half of Basili. Cause I do think Basili can get there and I think he's shown flashes. Right. So I don't want to say he's like, you know, totally incapable because I do think there have been flashes through the first three games, but it just hasn't been consistent. Yeah. I, he's got to get there. I mean, he's, he's the glaring and, and I don't, it's tough. Cause he's like the glaring weakness defensively in this, in this lineup. But like, that's also because it's the most obvious need, right? With Aluma gone, like it's the most glaring hole in the starting yeah. five now is is where are you going to find that front court defense? And it's just natural that it's on Basili because Mutz is a really good defender. So Padula has started to answer the question in the backcourt and Maddox is continuing his strong finish of the year defensively. And we know Kator can lock up anybody on the wing. He's a really good defender. Yeah. We gotta get we gotta get there with Basili. Um offensively, he's He's going to have to be on the floor because of what he provides on the offensive end. Just be serviceable enough on defense. I'm not asking him to be a all ACC defensive player. I'm just asking him to just be serviceable enough that when we get into conference play, it's not like a total liability. We're playing four on five on that end. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he's out of position. It's more of like an aggressive thing. Like he needs to be more Agreed. aggressive defensively. He seems to be where he should be. Right. It's just maybe he's tentative to get in foul trouble or whatever that may be. You know, I'm sure the right state when he would get in foul trouble, that was a bad thing for the right state team just because of how good Basili is and was at that right. level. Right. So and maybe it's just an aggressive thing, a different mindset defensively he needs to get to because um, he does seem more than capable. And I thought he took strides in the William and Mary game on that end. So yeah, if they can figure out defensively, um, watch out for this team because the offense yeah. is going to be clicking every night. I and the last thing I've got that I need to see is obviously higher competition level. Um, two, yeah. three games. We haven't really played anybody of significance. That's going to change this week when we head to the Charleston Classic. But uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team Thursday through Sunday. Um, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, I believe, is how these games work yep. in the Charleston Classic. So I think we're going to come out of this. And next week, by the time we press record, Mike, we're going to know a lot more about this team and probably answer some of those questions that we have. We obviously won't get the secondary ball handler question answered just because we know for a fact Rodney Rice will not be playing this week, which is unfortunate, but mostly expected. But defensively, I think we're going to learn a lot, and I think we're going to see Virginia Tech play against some better teams. Because, you know, down in Charleston, they open up Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon against Old Dominion, which Old Dominion's a decent team. They're 1-1. They beat Maryland Eastern Shore, and then they lost to Drexel. Um, But ODU, at the very least, is going to have maybe some athletes that Virginia tech hasn't seen so far. They'll probably be the most athletic team we play. Yeah. Um, surpassing Lehigh who's in that spot so far. Um, yeah. And then other than that, you know, if they win that game, they play, well, actually either way, they play either Furman or Penn state on Friday. Um, hopefully we win and are playing somebody like Penn state. I would love to play a team like Penn state and just see, you know, power five versus power five where we match up. Other teams in that tournament we could potentially run into later on are Colorado state, South Carolina, Davidson, and the College of Charleston. So, yeah. Uh, in terms of overall talent, it's a it's a pretty solid group of teams going down to Charleston for the weekend. And I think as a result of that, we could run into some matchups where 
we really can come out of it understanding more about this team than we did from the first week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they got to face Colorado State, at least David Roddy is not on the team anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, the the Penn the Penn State game is interesting because if Tech does match up with Penn State, the Hokies have historically struggled when yeah. getting the non-conference games against the Nittany Lions, and I don't know why, but they always get in a freaking dogfight with Penn State early in the yeah. year. I feel like I've seen that three or four times over the past decade where I'm like, what in the world? Why is te- like Tech's favored by double digits? Why are the they struggling this much? Yeah, 2019, 2019 team lost to Penn State. Yeah, yeah, I was at I was at Elrod's watching that game. I was pissed. yeah, yeah, and and I just feel like that will be a really interesting challenge. So I'm really hoping we see that game. I agree with you on the Old Dominion po- point. I think they're going to provide Tech with some challenges in terms of the athleticism and the step up. I, I think that would be the most athletic team that Tech's played um, when, when they tip off on Thursday afternoon. So that'll be really interesting to watch and see kind of how Tech reacts to that. But the Hokies are the better basketball team, right? They should get through that game. It's a matter of, okay, if you're facing what I would assume to be Penn State in, in that second round, if you beat Old Dominion, what does that look like? Tech, again, much better basketball team than Penn State. But they provide some challenges to the Hokies in recent years, even when Tech's had better teams. So yep. there's definitely a step up in competition here, which I'm really excited to see how, how Tech responds to that. Because it's almost, with this entire field, it's an intermediate step up. Right. It's it's not like you're playing the Carolinas of the world. They'll get there in a few weeks, but you are playing, you know, teams that could be fringe tournament teams, which, yeah. you know, tech hasn't faced so far. It's been three walkovers. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a slight tick up in competition level, which yes. I'm looking forward to. I mean, guys like Padula and Couture, Mutz and Maddox know what to expect. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, Basile's played teams at this level before, so he shouldn't be too surprised. But how does MJ Collins acclimate to the higher competition level? And Mike Young talked about MJ Collins in a presser and said, you know, he's he's been playing well, but he hasn't really been thrown into the fire yet, and the heat's going to get turned up shortly. So I look yeah. forward to seeing how MJ Collins adjusts because uh, he's a guy I think could be really impactful throughout the year. Yep. So that is it on the men's side. And I do want to touch on the women's team because they are 2-0. They're getting ready to play in about an hour. We're recording on Monday, yep. the 14th. They play in an hour against South Carolina Upstate. But they are really, really fun to watch. I highly encourage all of the men's basketball fans that listen to us to turn on the women whenever they can because they're really fun. They play an awesome style of basketball. Everyone knows about Liz Kitley and Georgia Amore. But Taylor Soul's really, really fun to watch the Boston College transfer as well as Ashley Awusu coming over from Maryland. This team's loaded. Uh, and they they play a really, really fun style of basketball. Highly encourage you to turn them on if you have the free moment. I encourage you to turn on to the Queens of the Castle podcast that Georgia and yeah. Liz host. It's highly entertaining. Um, they do a really good job. It's been really fun to listen to those two. But uh, they're 2-0. Kayla King hit nine threes in the first game. <laughs> I was going to say, you, they, they interviewed, number one, Queens of the Castle. They interviewed Kayla King. Number two, yes. Kayla King, you didn't even mention her off the top. She's the leading scorer right now. She hit nine threes in the opener. Yeah, her and Liz are tied, averaging 20 a game. And then yeah. Georgia's averaging a smooth 11 and six and a half assists through two yeah. games. Uh, if you like good point guard play, watch Sean Padula and Georgia Amor. It might be some of the best point guard play collectively for a university in the country. So highly encourage them. Want to definitely want to give them a shout out. They're currently ranked 14th in the country. Um, and, you know, this kind of the sky's the limit for that team. There's a lot of depth and talent at Kenny Brooks disposal. So yeah, definitely don't, tune them on when you got a free moment. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put this out there, but I'm going to have to, 
this is a final four type team. So yeah. seriously, like jump on the wagon now. This is going to be a really fun year for the women's team. They they are it's it's time to tune into the way for everybody who's just paying attention to men's basketball, all the ups and downs. It's time to put the women's team on. They're they're yeah, disgusting. This, they're disgusting. They're really the good. students have done a great job. They turned out pretty well for that opening night game on a Monday at like five o'clock. So they did. I'm glad to see the students are giving them the support they deserve. A little yep. Australian flair on the roster too, with Georgia Amor and Charlize Dunn, a freshman from yep. Australia as well. So very fun team. Definitely encourage watching them. A uh, really good brand of basketball they're playing right now. Yep. And yeah, like you said, sky's the limit. 14th seems too low for them right now. We'll see. We'll see yeah. where their ranking ends up in a few weeks, but they're fantastic, and as are the men. So it's been an overall 5-0 and week for the Han Hurst practice facility in, in Blacksburg, and look forward to continuing that tonight when the women make it 6-0 and for the building. Yep, 100%. But that's all I've got. I look forward to the Charleston Classic. I think we're going to learn a lot about the men's team this week, answer some of those questions. Uh, and guys like MJ Collins, Lynn Kidd, where are they going to shake out as you know, you would expect rotations to shrink a little bit. But uh, through one week, uh, the offense has been ad- as advertised. It's a really fun team to watch, as you'd expect Mike Young offenses to be. Uh, it's It's been fun. I'm so glad basketball's back to distract from the woes on the football field. But I've got nothing else, Mike. Yeah, so go ahead and sign us off. If you've got any closing thoughts, let them rip. The football team's terrible. Just like, <laughs> just hold on for dear life. The final two weeks of the year. Um, thoughts and prayers to UVA. We're recording Monday night. Um, yeah, that's real. Real life happened on Sunday yeah. night. So yeah. yeah, thoughts and prayers to the football program. Everybody involved. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, the Charlottesville community as a whole is absolutely brutal. Waking up to that this morning. Yep. Yeah, like real life hit fast there. So yeah, thoughts and prayers to everybody involved. Yep, and on that night note, we'll go ahead and sign off. So until next week, go Hokies. Go Hokies.